Welcome back to Legends of Grayskull presents <laughs> Revolution Reviews. Battle cat. That that was a cat. <laughs> <laughs> she jumped on me right as the intro was ending. Um, I am your host Matthew Duch back again with Sean Scavarna, Jesse Arnold, and Curtis Ackerman. How are we doing tonight, boys? Excellent. Spluferous. Wonderful. Yep. So as well, you know, we are breaking down the new Netflix series, Masters of the Universe Revolution, episode by episode. Uh, episode one is already out. Go check that out if you haven't already. Make sure you're still watching Revolution, um, especially if you enjoyed it and you want some more episodes ordered. All Netflix cares about is, is views. Uh, and give it that uh, double thumbs up. At the end. And, and go to IMDB if you don't have an account already, create one mm-hmm. and rate it because yep. that that is important as well. And and if you already have an account, make a new account because all you need is an email and those are easy to create <laughs> and rate it again. Um and I have heard too, I don't know how much truth there is to this, but uh apparently a a binge view, i.e watching all five back to back to back to back counts higher in their system than just watching like an episode here and there. So if at all possible, binge through it, you know, maybe even just leave it on when you leave for work in the morning and go to sleep to it every night, sleep to it. Yeah. So like (laughs) that, that helps a lot too. Um, So yeah, so check that out. Check out episode one. And right now we're going to jump right into episode two, Ascension. All right, scene one. We start in a flashback. A young Keldor and Randor are going through their father's office. When uh, apparently looking for some wine. Keldor finds it, but they are interrupted by their father, King Miro, and his wife, Queen Amelia, which I believe is the first time their mother has ever been named. Uh, They are arguing over what to do about Keldor. Uh, While he is the firstborn, uh, he has a different mother who is a gar, and that makes him ineligible to wear the crown. So his younger brother will inherit the crown no matter what. Uh, they come to a decision to send him back to Anwat Gar, where they hope that he will flourish. Uh, back in present day, uh, Adam is seated at that same desk, uh, and Keldor is the one t- telling him this story. 
He tells him that he, upon his return to Anwat Gar, they were attacked by the Horde, and rumors of his death were spread. He allowed Randor to believe this rumor, uh, to spare him from having to deal with his bastard brother. Uh, while they are discussing what Keldor's situation and what Adam is to do next, they are interrupted by an explosion. Adam and Cringer team up and jump off the balcony in an amazing transformation to go see what the danger is. So, uh, my first thing about that was I love that we are not in the filmation era where a transformation can be done in that kind of a way because I just loved they're just jumping into it he says, by the power of Grayskull in midair, and by the time they land, they're He-Man a battle cat again. That is the kind of stuff that I've been waiting almost 40 years to see, and it's happening on this show, which is great. I will say, um, technically, in the Filmation episode, Song of Solace, uh, Adam fell out of the Sky Chariot, and he did do a transformation on his fall down. Just saying. But. Nerd alert! <laughs> it's like you have a podcast or it's something. Almost, what the hell, man? Um, anyway. But I agree that was not only was that an amazing transformation. I love the dynamic of that Adam jumping on Cringer's back. But you also get the feeling that they've done that yeah. a lot. Like Cringer's just like stand back. We're yeah, I know mm-hmm. what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. We're also in a unique time now where they don't have a secret anymore. Right and, and they now, don't they, have- now they don't have to worry about who's around when they do it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but which is very true. Changes the field too, like. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, I, I I was I was really into this beginning story of Keldor and you know the behind the scenes of okay you know he's a, the the half brother to Randor how that whole scene played out again there's a lot of emotion in this uh, in this series that I wasn't expecting and stuff so. Um. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty impressed by how they brought that across as quietly as they did because, like, they have Randor crying, but they don't have like a big emotional moment. It's this simple little moment under this desk between the two of them where they're trying not to get caught uh, for sneaking in and all that. So, well, and uh, yeah. since it's a memory, it's like all from Keldor's perspective yep. too. That was yeah. interesting. Like, you really don't get Randor's side of it. We're trusting. Mm-hmm in this Keldor's version of events. So that's, yeah. you know, yeah, just a lot of fun trying, still tr- me personally trying to figure out like, who is this Keldor? What are we doing with him? Still mm. don't trust him, but like, what's his deal? Well, the way that Shatner plays him, it makes it hard for you not to want to trust him. He does, he has that like jovial uncle vibe that is like, it, he's got it down. Yeah. So, like, even if because they have that one little shot where he he smiles just a little bit when he gets the the crown in the last episode. Well, spoiler alert! Or when was that? I don't spoiler remember. alert! I hate when you do that shit, man. Because I can't remember what's what anymore. <laughs> anyway, he it, it, they give you a little hint, like okay, maybe he's not as trustworthy as you think. But at the same time, I'm going, no, it's Shatner. It's yeah. Shatner. Just well, don't leave your girlfriend or wife around him and you're fine. I was you about to say, I mean? it's, that, it's that uncle that's like, he's fun to hang out with. He's awesome. But like, you bring the new girl over and you're like, don't, yep. don't 
don't go in the room alone with it. Yeah, right? yeah. Something He's got there. one at every spaceport. Don't go and do it. Don't yeah. do it. I don't know how to proceed from that. Um, <laughs> I, I I think it was a cool. The flashback was cool. I thought it was interesting. They just went again. I don't know if they've ever established any of this before. Um, but the whole you know you know calling him a bastard and he's the oldest son. Like I was like, wow, they're just really going for like the Game of Thrones of this, you know. With mm-hmm. you know, so in. Most of the modern media, when they have dealt with Keldor, this has been the story is that Miro had a child out of wedlock with Agar, usually Saren, which she is named in this too. Um, and he has generally been the fir- firstborn. And so that kind of sets up this, okay. this struggle with well technically it should be me type of thing. Um, but that's that's all the modern uh era stuff in the vintage it was pretty much just we knew he had a long lost brother named keldor who had some suspicious ties to skeletor somehow and they never really it was an end of the line concept that they never really got to explore vintage wise okay um but yeah i i thought i thought the scene was interesting um the whole like the whole politics of you know like oh but his people you know he'll be considered an outcast here or like yep. I just thought it was really interesting that they they were able to set all that up in a fairly short scene, um, and and like you guys said, delivered some some good emotion in it. And yeah, the transformation just jumping off the the balcony yeah. and um, it, it made me laugh a little bit on the rewatch where you know you just see Cringer just like prancing across like the rooftops, like crouching tiger, hidden dragon, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, it just the physics of it felt a little weird, uh, but it, it was fun. I, I like it. Um, so for me, like starting with the, you know, in, in the room and they're under the table and, and King and queen come in and there's the arguing going on. It, it was, it really felt to me like, um, like this isn't, um, you know, Randor and this isn't the King and queen. We know like they, they, right they don't have the same kind of relationship. Like, like she is very not happy. Um, the kids are very close in age. So to me, it's not clear whether Keldor was conceived before the King was married to the queen or if he cheated on her, there's definitely some problems in their relationship. Like they, they are not like this loving couple that we've yeah. seen. We've grown up with in filmation and everything. Well, they do it, just real quick. They do definitely state that he was first born. So, yeah, they say he's first, but but that um, could be first still after they're married, right. or it could be before they got married. So, and I, I was going to say in the in the DC com in DC Comics Eternity War, mm. uh, Miro actually gets lost at sea and washes up on Anwatgar, and that's when he has the relationship with Saren. And then he ends up being rescued later on. So even in that, it was kind of ambiguous whether they were together or not. I did find it interesting. uh, Like uh, Queen Amelia is not happy with him, but she's also really advocating for Keldor, surprisingly. Like, uh, especially my second watch, it's it, it wasn't I didn't feel it was as much like get rid of the bastard as like 
he deserves better than what he's going to get here, which was kind of an interesting angle to take with her. Cause it'd be easier it's, just to be like, forget the bastard. It's also one of those though, that like, I don't know. I've, I've watched a lot of like, um, historical TV shows, like, you know, in, in, you know, early England or, or, uh, you know, Scotland or Viking times or whatever. And, and there's, you know, part of that, that I've seen in the past where it's like, you're trying to get rid of the other possible heir to the throne. And so you say what you need to say to do that. And so I'm not sure in that situation, if she's saying, Oh, he would have a better life there because that makes it easier to get rid of him. Yeah. Or if she truly is concerned for him, I, I don't know. We don't spend enough time with but these she, characters to know. Um, she does also at one point tell him that he could change the law if he wanted to and make Keldor the king. Yeah. Like, so that's the part where I'm like, okay, she's at least advocating for him. Like, yeah. either, 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 I mean, either way, right? Like, mm. that's, I think that's probably, you're right. That's what she's going for. Like, make a decision. But, like... <laughs> it could go either way with, with Miro at least. So, yeah. So that was my first thing. It's just, there's, there's obviously, you know, this isn't the happy married, you know, King and queen that we know there's, there's some problems here. So that was number one. Um, the whole thing with Keldor was it, it was really surprising to me because in every iteration of Keldor that I've seen or read or whatever before this, it's, it's either a flashback or it's in a time period that's before Skeletor is around. Yeah. We've already seen Skeletor in this series. We've seen Skeletor in other scenes. So, and now there's this Keldor that's like a different person. It's a different character. And so I'm like, where are they going with this? Like, are they making them two separate people? Or are they are, you know, cause you know, I know some people had, problem with the like they prefer the whole demon thing that he came from another dimension and came through the portal and all this and that and so when you know the whole idea of the keldor becomes skeletor and especially the you know the idea from 2000x that he was his uncle he was adam's mm -hmm. uncle like rubbed a lot of people the wrong way so at this point in in this series i'm like i don't know what they're doing but i'm along for the ride like i'm i'm i want to see what's going to happen with this um, and, and to Sean's point, like, you know, Shatner's just doing an amazing job. Keldor does come off very sincere. Um, and so I'm like, I want to believe this right at this time and, and that he is good and, and that it's just a completely separate character. Um, so that was kind of what I took from that, um, you know, that from that first part anyway. Nah, yep. Yeah, I completely agree with all you guys. Um, like I said, it's it, it's interesting because the, the whole thing with Miro and Amelia, it, it like pushes it where it's like, okay, yes, this is there. It's taking advantage of the fact that this is for us. Mm. This show is for us fans that have grown up with it, like, and we can tackle some of these issues and in a way that they couldn't, wouldn't, and shouldn't for the stuff that's with the younger kids. Um, yeah, the 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 eavesdrop. I'll just jump in real quick. Yeah, the eavesdropping was a good way for us to find out the story without mm -hmm. it. You know, like it was like they were having that conversation, but we were eavesdropping like from the perspective of the kids under the desk. Exactly. You know, and, and we're able to see it from that point of view. So that was, that was interesting way to tell that backstory. Yeah. And so it's pushing these adult themes about, you know, I mean, 
makes families essentially and everything else. And you know, what do you do with a bastard son? But at the same time, it also it didn't take me out of it or it didn't make me feel uncomfortable or like this is not masters, you know, not to pick on Revelation, but like in Revelation, when you get the scene where you know Evil Lynn's making out with Skeletor, and you know, you guys weren't here, but me and Sean are sitting here like I, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, you know what I mean? Like this felt a lot more natural and like, it still felt like Eternia. You mm -hmm. know, we're not just mm -hmm. making it adult to make it adult sake. Um, yeah. And yeah, Shatner's performance definitely just seals the deal. And I was right there with you. I'm still like, I, I can't figure this guy out. I don't trust him. I'm like, and now I'm going in my mind, like, oh, are they making him somebody different? Like you, Curtis, I'm just like, my mind's going with the possibilities of what this can mean mm -hmm. for the story. So, mm -hmm. uh, if nothing else, we'll jump on to scene two. Okay. All right. We, Tila, we're back with Tila. She arrives at Dark Smoke uh, upon entering Grandmere's lair. She noticed a tapestry that depicts the three tap nope, the four towers of Eternia. Hmm. Uh, Granimir soon rises from his fire pit, although it is oddly unlit. Tila goes to greet him, but is cut off by the grumpy old dragon. Uh, he dismisses her and uh, states that he knows who she is. And that he does not have enough time left for long introductions. Turns out that Grandamir is dying and he believes that she is sent with condolences from the king. Tila apologizes and informs him that the king himself has passed. And that she is on a mission now to resurrect Praternia. So that his spirit will have a place to go. She tells him that she needs the Ka magic from him to accomplish this task, but is interrupted by a voice from the shadows telling her that this is pointless as Granamir will not help her as we see evil Lynn step from the dark. I I really enjoyed this, this scene. I'm not knowing a lot about like the the different magics and all that stuff because like i said my memory of the the filmation stuff is is very foggy i mean i remember loving it as a kid but like the details of stories and i'm not as well versed in the 2000x stuff so um after uh revelation and the the cgi show on netflix uh the way they did you know the magic over there with like mm -hmm the havoc and everything i thought that was cool so like seeing how they're setting this up and it's those three or four i'm not sure what that fourth one is um you guys well the, the fourth tower would be central tower that's the one with the cat head on it so okay. the the fourth tower that they added in the tapestry was the havoc tower the ram headed one the vintage oh, okay. only had gray skull central which was the blue cat and then the snake tower Oh, so okay. now they showed on the okay. back side that there's a havoc tower or was a havoc tower. Okay. Um, um well, thank you. That yeah. filled that in. Um that's what I do. I was trying to focus on it and like it it cut away too fast for me to really take in what what all was happening with that. But 
Um, I, I like this whole thing. Again, I'm not super well-versed in Granamir. I know the character exists. I've seen the figure from classics and all this stuff. And I've seen art of it before, but I don't remember him from, from other things. So getting to see this and like his ruined helmet kind of off on the side or discarded, mm-hmm. just like in a pile of snow or ice or whatever. And um, just his whole speech that's so why he takes a long time to say he doesn't have a lot of time left, which I yeah. thought was funny. Like, seemed like she was about done with her her introduction. Yeah, um, he's a, he's a bit of a drama that, queen. Yeah, the back and forth of it was cool. I really liked the design and the look of of the art on him, um, and uh, the whole thing about asking for the power. And I, I thought it was really fun to see Evelyn because I wasn't sure how she was going to play with the way they left off with mm-hmm. her in revelation. You know, she's kind of off on trolley, you know, we, she's had a redemption arc of sorts, but we didn't get to see any of it really play out like character wise, like, you know, ongoing. So seeing her there and, um, you know, it just, it, it does come in with a, a sense of not menace, but, antagonism you know just the way she's like oh 100 i mean it's not like okay these two are about to fight but it's like okay this is like the the cheerleader and the goth chick are running Mm -hmm. into each other kind of thing in the hallway and everybody knows they've had problems in the past kind of a thing so yeah and it um, took me by surprise too because like obviously from the promos and stuff like i knew she was gonna show back up sure but like for her to appear here it's like what what like Again, just out of all the places you would pop evil in back in, I would have never guessed Granamir's inner sanctum. So, my turn. Um, that way. So, I there's some things I like about this. There's some things I don't like about this. Um, so, you know the the addition of evil in showing up there. I was also surprised, just like you said, that she was there. But I was excited for it because i felt like she did have a great character arc in uh revelation um and i think that's one thing that that both of these series have done you know as much as there's you know some fanboys out there that would just you know i just want he-man or i just want skeletor or i just want teela or whatever i like that we got an orco story arc i like that we got an evil in story arc like these things are are cool um You know, Evelyn through Filmation, through 2000X, through comic books, whatever. I've never cared about Evelyn at all. Um, it, it's just been kind of a side character, just side henchman. Not even one of the good ones, in my opinion. <laughs> Revelation made me care about Evelyn. And this series continues that. So this, you know, her showing up there and continuing to try to figure out what her path is and what she should be doing. Um, I, I would, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, I did not, I I also liked both of their costumes too. Like you, you see Mm -hmm. several throughout this, you see several different costume changes with Tila, Evelyn, He-Man. Um, and, and I think they did an amazing job with all of them. Like every time that I saw a costume change, I was like, I could see that as a figure. I could see that as a figure. Like, and so their wintry garb that they've got on as they're in that area, um, I thought was another cool costume change. Um, yeah, because you don't have to do that at all. Like with Tila yeah. Sorceress, like mm-hmm. you don't have to add the sleeves and the gloves, mm-hmm. but it makes sense to. Right. So I thought it was really cool. The The parts that I didn't like, um, 
the first one was Grand Amir's look. I, I liked that they kept him the pink version, not the green version from mm-hmm. the mini comics. Um, but I, I, his face and it, it just, it just threw me off how different he looked from filmation. Um, and I'm guessing of, that's a copyright issue. I, I don't know. I, I don't guessing. know the ins. I don't know the ins and outs. Of that. What, all I know it's a is mess. Just, filmation like, and Mattel rights are um, yeah. a hot mess. No one knows them exactly. So, but the you know Revelation was really pushed as a continuation off of what we grew up with yeah. as kids. And for the most part, I think in terms of the art style, in terms of how the characters looked, it to me, it felt that way. It felt like, okay, this is an updated version of what we had as kids, but it there's a lot of similarities there. And you can see where they drew their inspiration from and stuff. The Grand Amir, I just felt like was such a departure from that, that it kind of threw me off. Um, just, I mean, I just, even if you didn't draw him the exact same way, like I just picture Granamir just kind of sitting there, just kind of, you know, like he's he's old and beaten down and and like he's not, you know, which they did do some of that, but I don't know, it just the way they looked and especially the face I felt was way off. Um, and then when they were talking about like having him help and he said something to the effect of that, you know, the last time that humans were trusted with magic, that such such magic, it led to a massive war and all this and that. He he almost acts as if the other encounters we've had with Granamir over the years haven't occurred. Like, because we went through this same kind of thing in Filmation when they went to him and they were trying to get like Man at Arms was was like, you know, Turned a statue or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And they were trying to get him fixed. And they had to go through this whole like, you know, challenge and then they didn't do the challenge and they had to prove to Graham Granamir that they were worthy of his help. And this kind of to me, it felt like those things never happened, like it retconned that those things never occurred. So I, I didn't like that because I like trying to think of this as kind of a continuation of filmation. But um, otherwise, the the art, where they're going with the story, the fact that they're doing these separate adventure things um i'm all on board for and i like evelyn so much in these two series that i feel like you could partner her up with anybody like the 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 partnership between her and orko in revelation i was like all for and Mm -hmm. so as soon as they partner her up with tila here i'm like okay i'm i'm down like you could you could literally take evelyn and put her with any character in that series and i will watch 5 10 12 episodes of just that so um so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at for the this scene. Yeah, I uh I do agree with you. I don't think that those adventures happened or they didn't happen like we saw them in filmation. Hmm. However, there are lines where he 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 does say he remembers Tila. Hmm. And you know, he even says that you know he's he's had some you know, he interactions with our sorceress Tila mm. not like because he's like oh yeah she called you her little bird which means he mm. actually knew quite a bit mm. you know and it's kind of that grandamer ego thing too to kind of drop like you know I know stuff that you didn't even know um <laughs> so yeah it was kind of interesting there where but I do agree that the, the filmation adventures with him as we know them did not occur in this reality um at the same time, I thought I thought I liked his character design. It, it can't touch classic filmation Grandamere, but I thought they did a good job of kind of merging because you've always had the more 
beastly dragons and masters. And then you mm-hmm. had Grandmere, who was a lot more humanoid. And I thought this did a good job of kind of bridging the two. Um, especially, you know, he's walking around like a normal dragon, but then we'll see a little bit later, like he's a mirror. If I was going to get rid of anything, I'd get rid of the weird Fu Manchu tendrils. Mm. I think that's did, the biggest did thing. You watch that- um, the the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yes, this past year, that that dragon that like rolls around all hilariously yeah, and the stuff. Fat one. Yeah, that felt more like Granamir to me than this did. <laughs> like, like, like that's, I want a fat, immobile Granamir that's just wise and like, you know, smarter than anything, but he's just a fat sitting around the cave <laughs> Granamir. So even, even if you yeah. didn't do it the exact same way, that that's kind of like, I saw this Granamir and even though he's like sickly and dying and all this and that, he still looks like a, uh, like a terror, like, um, a scary dragon, and yeah. that's not what I picture Granamir as. So, gotcha. Um, but I do got I got a shout out uh, John Delancey uh, with the voice acting. Obviously, was a little bit of effect on there, but mm. still, I thought I thought he had the attitude of Granamir down perfectly. Um, just a lot, a well, lot of the fun. Voice was good, yeah, yeah, a lot of surprises, and and again, they just got me hooked. This is the point where I'm like, I don't want to turn this off for anything because I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, uh, we we mentioned it in the last episode about uh, the upgrade of Melissa Benoist as Tila versus oh, uh, yeah. Sir Michelle Geller, and having the three of them in this scene just confirms that these are three of the more interesting characters they bring to the table this time around. And uh, the voice acting on all fronts works for me uh, on every level. I was curious how John Delancey was going to do it. I, I know there were people going, oh, he can do this in his sleep. But I wanted to hear it as Gran Amir. And, mm-hmm. and then seeing the scene with this, I'm just like, oh, it works. It works. Absolutely. Um and honestly, this got me excited for the fact that we had the ticking clock issue in the plot of Tila has to get Britannia back. Mm-hmm. And now on top of that, we find out, well, here's how we're going to do that. And by the way, it ain't going to be just like, oh, Alakazam, boom. It's going to be now you got to learn all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I do like that vibe. It's a world building thing that works nicely for me in this scene of it's like okay you gotta you gotta deal with the cop magic the havoc magic and i love the havoc is still a part of this because of cgi and that was one of the things in cgi that absolutely i i was owned to that idea after they brought it up and then the car magic that now uh Grandamir is gonna help with it's like i dig that on so many levels because i do like how masters has that it'll call back to old things and even in like in Jesse's case, and even for me in some cases, I don't know the mythology as deep as some other fans out there, but I do love that that enriches this story, that this is now something that's a part of it, whether we knew it or not from this point. I, I think Sean also appreciated the fact that they tied Ka to Granamir and not the Snake Men. Oh, I'm... fuck yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yes. Legends. I hate Legends, some... not off-world. Legends. <laughs> I hate me some Snake Men. I will always say that. I love the army builders. Can't stand the actual figures, though. Um, and, and the story. 
but yeah, I, it was a surprise that it tied to him, but it was also like, thank you, at least for doing something that is not going to be King Hiss showing up because I don't need that garbage right now. Well, I'm, I'm glad I, I have no problem with Hordak and the Horde showing up. I just don't need the stake. Well, I think that's the thing. I think I think Ka can still technically be tied back to them, but having Brandomir be like the last living practicer of it is yeah. like uh it works and that way you're not having to introduce that third party yeah. that like we again we've only got five episodes. Yeah. So it's a nice it's a nice little shortcut, but it True. doesn't close and the door. It, it was a surprise, like Evelyn's a hospice nurse, basically. And but I did like that as being part of the deal of her feeling that uh you know, like she she feels she has to atone for something. Yeah. And and out of all the things that happened in Revelation, I thought that was the most ridiculous thing that happened. But the fact that that is a plot point they're trying to resolve and it actually is an interesting plot point now that it's in action yeah. works for me. I just didn't like how it just out of nowhere had to be in there at the end of last season. <laughs> or it just okay, no, nothing matters at all. We're gonna just kill heaven. Oh, bye guys. It's like uh, okay. All right, moving on yeah. to scene three. We join back up with He-Man and Battle Cat. They have reached the area of Eternal says under attack. We see techno cultists, smoke bombs, citizens fleeing, and we see nanobots infecting the citizens that are blasted by the smoke. Uh, Skeletor makes his appearance. This is the first time the heroes have seen his new form. And He-Man mockingly calls him Skeletech, much to Skeletor's approval. Mm -hmm. uh, He-Man is quickly joined by Andra, Orko, and Keldor himself to help fight the Techno-Cultists. Uh, once Skeletech sees that they are outnumbered with the addition of the Palace Guard... He awakens a techno-titan from the ground. These ancient machines and motherboard is working on reactivating them. Um, as the ancient machine starts to rampage around the city, Skeletor uses that distraction to escape. He-Man pursues, leaving Andra all by herself. Uh, Keldor teams up with her and is able to reprogram her wrist gauntlet so I can upload a self-destruct sequence to the Techno Titan. Uh, with the help of Orko and Battlecat in keeping it subdued, she starts the upload. Uh, He-Man confronts Skeletor in a dark alley where he has taken a child hostage. And in front of He-Man's very eyes, he explodes another grenade uh, infecting the child with the nanobots. He-Man goes to help uh, the child as Skeletor makes his escape. He-Man notices that the nanobots are destroyed whenever they touch his skin or the sword of power. He uses the sword to heal the young boy. While he's doing this, Keldor and Andra are successful in taking down the Techno-Titan and they are heralded as heroes by the population. Oh, I'm up first. Uh, lots go whoa, whoa, huh? whoa, don't be skipping my turn. 
This one's yeah, me. Now. Oh, that is you. Yes, you went yeah. last. Yep. I forgot you were here, Curtis. My bad. I went me. first last. <laughs> well, see, you guys are both wearing flannel. <laughs> so I'm like, well, flannel, flannel <laughs> just went. So. Um, okay. Yeah. So starting off, uh, I feel like, you know, we just talked about uh, the replacement voice for Tila. I think for the most part, I really like all the casting decisions that they made on the voices here um, with two exceptions. One we already kind of talked about for me is, is uh, Hamill, I think does, he just falls into that Joker too easily. And I, that's all I hear. Um, the other one that I You're think still is still on your own with that one. I'm just going to say, I've watched okay. it again today. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I know I'm not on my own cause I've seen a lot of other people say the same thing, but um, in this group, maybe the other one that really bugs me. And it's another one I've heard a lot of people talk about is the battle cat voice. Like it is just not good. It, we, te like, we technically haven't gotten there yet. He, he talked a little bit there at, in this fight scene. Maybe I'm misremembering, but yeah. Okay. I'll, de so, I'll definitely be bringing it up in a little bit. So I just I just <laughs> wanted to make sure I threw that one out there because I feel like yeah. not only do I, I I didn't think they did a good job I think they did an amazing job with the voices on this yeah. like the the rest of the characters I think are fantastic the two that bug me are Skeletor and Battle Cat um, so yeah just not great so as far as the story of this what we're talking about um, you know I'm I'm still at the point where I'm trying to believe and like Keldor. Um, but the ability to reprogram Andra's, you know, wrist thing and do all the, like, uh, at, at this point, as I'm watching and I'm putting myself in that time frame, as I'm watching it, I'm going either, either they're making this very convenient because they're trying to fit this all into five episodes, or there's something to not trust about this guy because he just happens to have the answer for this problem that just popped up out of nowhere it, it just yep. seemed very convenient. So, it, so I'm it, still it, at the point where like, I want to trust him, but I don't think I can. Mm -hmm. And clearly him and Skeletor are two different people. Cause we see them both in the same fight. Yep. Like they're two different people, but I still don't know if I can trust Keldor. I want to though. Um, and, and Keldor's just got an answer for everything. Yeah. Like yeah. he is just not, no hesitation, which again, it's same thing. It's like, you know, well, how do you know this? Oh, they're based on ancient guard technology, which I've studied because I'm a guard. Yeah. It's like, okay, but yeah, that makes perfect sense. Why does it make me feel this way though? Like, yeah, it, like I said, it could have been either way. It could have been that they're just trying to move the story along quickly and he just happens to have the answer. Or, you know, I guess we'll find out as we move on through this series, mm -hmm. you know, is there some ulterior motive to it? So, um, I think that those are kind of my biggest call outs from this scene. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm also, I'm, I'm going even meta where I'm like, well, the, they know that I know that traditionally Keldor and Skeletor are the same. So if they mm. know that I know that, then they know that I know that this isn't Keldor and Skeletor are the same, but then I'll know that, but then I'm feeling uneasy, but maybe they're trying to make me feel uneasy and use them as a red herring so that I'll think that there's something more, but there's not really something more, but like, I, I know that I, you know that I know that you know. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm doing during all of yeah. this. But what at the end of the day, us? I... Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a really good action sequence i mean we're second episode in you've got this big fight 
I I honestly expect when he was raising the machine from the ground, I really want him to call them to be called monstroids though. At the, mm-hmm. Especially if they're just having watched the Christmas special. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, Techno Titan, like that's not bad. But at the same time, it's like you had Monstroid right there. And we've already shown that there can be many different types of Monstroids. So I wanted it to be Monstroids just so that Sean would cringe. So, <laughs> well, and if they're, if they're Monstroids, then that means that the Manchines exist out there. There you go. Zipper. So. Do I really got to say that other word that I said earlier again? Because you guys <laughs> want to talk like this. Seriously. Oh, my God. But, yeah, it was a good fight sequence to see, um, you know, Battle Cat. Battle Cat was a powerhouse. I mean, you, a lot of times you don't know what to do with Battle Cat, but, I mean, he's got the power of Grayskull just like He-Man, and he was really using it here, and it was good to see. Uh, and then on top of that, Orko just being so confident – uh, everything working for him. And I was thinking about it. It's like, I wonder if it's, uh, for those of you who tuned into our Christmas special episode, you know, we kind of got into the whole thing about, you know, Orko's magic. It's really only messed up on Eternia. Cause when he was on earth in the Christmas special, like his magic worked right. Mm-hmm. And on um, trial it works right. And on trial it works right. So I was, and I was thinking about him like, well, what, what's really changed? And I mean, we got to remember like Orko literally died in Revelation and was kind of reborn through Subternia. So in my mind, I'm going, okay, so like, that's the difference. Like he was literally reborn in Eternia. So now his magic is in tune with Eternia and that's why he's able to, to pull off what he can now. Um, and it's, it's just fun. Like I've, I've always loved Orko. He's always been a fun character. His like spell mixing up usually made me laugh as a kid. And I've, I've never been one that's like, Oh, he's stupid. Um, but it's nice seeing this next step for Orko where he can just be confident. He can just be casting these awesome spells and holding his own against these giant machines. Um, you know, and that and that's where this is really standing out here. It's being able, it's what Revelation tried to do, but without enough buildup. Now that we've had the buildup of Revelation, all of these step forwards in Revolution, I'm really enjoying. Um, so yeah, it's probably me overthinking it again, but no, I like it. A lot of fun. Um, I I like the fact that uh, in this scene. You do have two powerhouses, and you're bringing that up, but the Orko and the Battle Cat. That's a yeah. one-two punch that in this show now is showing, yes, it, it is making a difference. And for me, not liking Orko for most of my life, and then Revelation turned me into like, oh, I like him this way at least. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, they've given me more and more reason to like him as a character because he was always comedy relief. Now he's like an emotional center in this show. And the fact that he's not messing up, the fact that he is reliable, the fact that, it, I mean, literally, these things are popping up out of the ground and he's taking care of business just as well as Battle Cat. And it actually, like, when his spell started breaking, I'm just like, no, Orko, come on, just hold on for one more second. You know, and even yep. I'm into that. And I'm like, that, that, this is happening. I'm rooting for Orko. This is insane. Um, <laughs> But uh, the the one thing about this scene that I I was a little mad about actually was the look of the the creatures that were coming out of the ground. Personally, 
I honestly, they were too robust from Voltron, especially if you watched uh, yeah. the Legendary Defender show that Netflix did, which is phenomenal. If you haven't watched that, please watch it. It is so freaking good. But every time that they had these monsters coming out of the ground, I'm like, they were waiting for their cameo on Voltron when they showed up for this, right? That's what uh, that's what happened, right? It was that day. Um <laughs> Yeah, they're very anime and everything. Yeah, and I, I, I just wish they would have gone to something looks wise that would have evoked more of like a history within Eternia vibe than just yeah. here's this abstract art eyeball, 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 this and that kind of a look to these things because it just felt so out of place compared to a lot of the other designs within the series, both Revelation and this. Um, felt kind of power rangery to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it did. Yep. It, it took it took something from me because I was even thinking it would have been kind of cool if maybe it was just like literal the, the old filmation, the rock people coming out of the ground that he man would do one punch and they'd shatter or whatever. Like doing something more along the lines of something that way as a nod to filmation instead of doing these like abstract art looking things. Um and and uh, yeah, I, I I was surprised to see a hostage moment. He Man doesn't deal with those most of the time, mm -mm. so I did like that. And for me, liking Superman the way I do, He Man is like a runner up to. If there's a kid in trouble, I want to see He Man go in and take care of business. And I liked that he figured it out through showing, not telling, what the deal was. That was a really really well done storytelling moment for me with the kid, but I still, you know, just the fact Skeletor's got a kid hostage, uh, He-Man, and just like, let him go, and I'm like, oh, this is good. The standoff and all that, so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One more thing I wanted to throw in real quick, uh, just with Keldor's look, um, like, I, I know, you know, typically when we've seen Keldor in the past, it's just like the total black hair, goatee, whatever. Yeah. I like that they shortened his hair like they don't mm -hmm. have the long hair uh, i like the, the 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 he's got gray in his beard and his hair it makes it makes him feel um like you know he has lived a long time and mm -hmm. you know i mean he he is supposed to be older than than randor and randor just died so he should be an older gentleman yep. so i just like the overall look to him as well just fyi and and that is one that i like i've never thought that i'd want a keldor character but the the way that they've designed that, I'm like, oh man, that would be a cool figure. So yeah. available now, B BBTS. They got pile mm. loot. Uh, the the scene, I thought the action was cool. I agree with Sean. I I don't really, you know, I guess all of you, I don't really care for the design of the Techno Titan or the name. Yeah. Um, because <clears throat> in my head, as soon as I hear it, and this is this is a me problem, not a show problem, but my mind just starts going like boots and paints and boots and paints like it's just like techno <laughs> like with all the colors on it i'm like i'm waiting for like the lights to start coming off and like a rave to start pacifiers um, and glow sticks they, they were fighting at the roxbury for the whole sequence <laughs> that's the name of the little square in the village they were fighting it yeah. but like i love that movie it it um, i thought the action was cool i did yeah like you guys said you know seeing battle cat you know and the fact that like Keldor's able to just jump in and start calling shots, which I know like what they're doing here. Cause it's like, he man's got to choose if he wants to be King or mm -hmm. if he wants to stay he man or Adam has to make the choice. And you've got Keldor coming in and he's like, literally like 
the answer to an unspoken prayer like yep. out of mm-hmm. the blue in the last episode and it, it's like it, it's like oh okay he's just doing this and you know battle cat bring it down you know and you know mm-hmm. it, it was cool it's like why are all these people just responding to him so like oh i happen to show up the day after my brother dies to claim the throne and everybody's just cool with this like no i feel it, like i feel like there should have been a especially since marlena and and adam didn't know about him until the day before I feel like they're again. I know it's five episodes. You know, you can't get into all of that. It's one of those pacing things, like with the first season, that I had an issue with. But I, I like it. I think it's cool how they're showing him using the technology. Like he brings up, like that sky sled or whatever he's mm. flying around on. Yeah, the little um, hoverboard. Yeah. In the in in the first scene with him talking to Adam, like he like shows. I'm like, why is he showing that? And then when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, he okay because that's yeah. that's coming up. You know, um, it, did you real quick? Did, did you guys was your understanding that Marlena and, and Adam had never heard of Keldor or that they knew of his existence, but they thought he was dead? Because Like I, I thought from watching it that they knew of him, but they thought he was gone. No, is, I is think they not? I think they never knew of him. Okay. I think because they were both had surprise looks on randor's deathbed when he mentions a brother and they both kind of look at each other like huh like mm-hmm. okay yeah because i i just assumed i i don't know maybe i need to rewatch it a, a, you know fifth time or whatever but um i i just assumed from watching it that their surprise was more that you know finding out that he's alive rather than he he exists but no, I think it's exists. So, like, so all we have at this point is Keldor's word to go on, mm. and they really have no reason not to trust him at this point. I mean, he he did show up. He gave them good advice. Like his story, his story fits, mm. and he he helped. I mean, you see this here where He Man comes back from you know dealing with Skeletor, and you know. If it wasn't for Keldor, like who knows what that Techno Titan would have done? Yeah, so. like there's even like a scene. There's like at the end of this one that we're talking about where um, He Man actually turns and sees like everybody kind of like congratulating yeah. Keldor and stuff, and he he like smiles like like okay this this I, guy I gotta support yeah him. like this but. this is that maybe this is the dude maybe yeah. this is the guy yeah. I was going to say the only thing that uh, the other thing I would say about this is I know Andra is a very divisive character in, in a lot of places. I, I like the character. I don't necessarily like everything that they've done with the character. Um, but I felt like this episode or this, this scene, like she does the thing, like he updates her, her gauntlet or whatever, and she's doing the thing, but like, she felt very useless in this moment. Yeah. Um, like, like she was just an accessory for, for, for Keldor. Well, um, I, I, was gonna, I, I think that's kind of how she's feeling right now. She like, she's, you know, she's, she was a help in revelation. She got thrown into this. Now she's a man at arms and she's trying to like figure out her place. And so like, you got that scene with her. I mean, she turns to He-Man for help, but He-Man's running off after Skeletor. And so I feel like she is kind of still that, you know, last time she was our, she was like the entry point, the audience view into this post-apocalyptic Eternia. 
And now she's still kind of playing that fish out of water where it's like, so now that strong, confident leader shows up and is like, well, don't worry, I got you. And he, you know, at the same time, Keldor is kind of smoothing her like, no, I can like you do good work, you know, and let me show you this type of thing. And kind of, you know, we're kind of getting a, you know, you could even say a Duncan Tila with Keldor and Andra going on here. So I, I mean, I can see, I can see that. I just, you know, with the way they introduced her in the first episode of this season, where she she comes in in that mech suit and then she yep. jumps down into the action, like like Orko, she's feeling more confident. She's feeling herself, feeling herself, feeling her place. I don't know what word I'm trying to say here. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's 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 feeling her place here, and it just felt like a bit of a a back step. Um, Again, that that that's just me. That's just the way. Like, I I totally saw all the things you're saying. Yeah. And you know, knowing where stuff goes, but in that moment watching it, I just felt like, oh man, they're really kind of like, like He Man ran off, so she has a chance to step up, and she does. But it's like she also felt kind of like, eh, what do I do? Until Keldor gave her something to mm-hmm. do. Um, and it, it just it just hit me a little weird. Agreed. All right, scene four. We are back in dark smoke. Tila continues to try to convince Grand Amir to grant her the magic she needs. Um, <clears throat> uh, Evelyn reveals that the Trollans know exactly where she is, and they allowed her to come here. She takes responsibility for upsetting the cosmic balance and reveals that it is her fault that Grand Amir is dying. Uh, and she is merely looking at her chance at retribution. Uh, Tila tells her that there would be no greater chance at retribution than for her to help resurrect the very thing that she destroyed in the first place. Uh, at the Royal Palace, Adam is getting ready for the coronation ceremony, where they will crown the next King of Eternia. Uh, before he heads to that, he tasks Orko and Man-at-Arms to take the Sword of Power to someone who can help augment it so that it can, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> so it can help cure this, all the citizens that were infected with the Technovirus. Uh, after he talks with Battlecat, he makes his decision on whether to take up the crown or continue being the champion in a surprise move. He renounces the crown and instead grants it to Keldor as the citizens of Eternia cheer for their new King. Uh, back in dark smoke, Tila is still unable to convince Grandamir to grant her the power. Evelyn steps in uh, and compares her situation to Grandamir's own. He was the one who gave the ancient Eternians power that led to some of the bloodiest wars in history. Uh, why should either of them be remembered for their mistakes when there is still a chance to right their wrongs? Uh, Grandamir decides to give Tila a chance and gives her a riddle to solve, which she does very easily. Grandmere grants Tila the power of Ka. She is enveloped in green magic, a gold snake staff, very reminiscent to a toy that we played with, uh, appears in front of her, and as she takes this power as her own, she turns completely green and 
<clears throat> Don's new snake-themed armor. So a lot happening, a lot of changes here. This is the scene where I'm sitting here, Curtis. And unfortunately, Battle Cat sounds just like Cringer. Like, there is no difference. And I'm... This is the only moment in the series where I'm just like the complete face palm as to the the voice choice. And the lines are really good. I don't like, I don't even like the voice as cringer. Like I, I, like I don't it. I don't feel like it works as cringer. It definitely doesn't work as Battle Cat. No. Like it's it's so bad for Battle Cat. Yeah. I can I can accept it as cringer. I won't even go so far as say I love it, but like mm. for him not to even put a little bit of rrr on it. Like Yeah, I'm, throw I'm some like, Batman. Throw some Bale Batman on it. What? Yeah. I mean that, that that's what that's what Oppenheimer did for yeah. You know, like, yeah, that took me completely by surprise. And I, I did have to laugh at the joke um, because, when you know, Adam or He-Man walks up to Battle Cat and he's like, you've been awfully quiet um, because there was a whole thing after Revelation where they we were the creators were literally being asked and things. Can Battle Cat even talk? Because he didn't at all. And there was no mention of it. And so. You know, and I think even at the time, the writers were like, really, we never gave him any lines, huh? Like they didn't even realize it. So it's like it was nice to acknowledge it and see that he can. But at the same time, I'm like, well, if that's what you sound like, no wonder you've never talked because the secret identity would be gone right there back in the day. Um, But it was nice to see, you know, and again, well, you know, we're talking ticking clocks and everything. And it's like, you know, with kings in a real monarchy, like. This was like, you know, I think it was actually the previous episode. Man Arms is like, you know, it's, you know, we got to get you crowned. And Adam's like, it's only been a day. And he's like, yeah, that's a whole day without a king. Like, you know, you don't have time to grieve like a normal person. So, you know, to see Adam put up against that. And it's like, of course, this seems like the right choice at the moment. And I don't think it took any of us really by surprise. Like, obviously, this is where... It's going. Um, on the flip side in Dark Smoke, I really loved all of, like you said, Tila Evil Lynn's interactions are phenomenal. Uh, Evil Lynn, you know, convincing Granamir, you know, to help them out. Uh, just very well written, very well performed. And, you know, it kind of solves some of the Evil Lynn questions, but I st it's still kind of like, well, Okay, so she's looking for her, her retribution, but I'm still unclear as to how she wound up here necessarily. Um, so I, at least it's starting to paint a bigger picture uh, of what we can expect from Evil Lynn in this arc. Not trying to be a, uh, yeah. a word police. I think you're trying to say retro, uh, redemption, not retribution. Yeah, that too. Mm. Very, very different things. I, I caught mm. that as well, but I was going to let it slide. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, Sean? Um, so one of the things I wrote in my notes on the first episode was it was really weird that with Randor's death and everything, there wasn't really a moment with Cringer. And, yeah. and then, like, literally, Cringer shows up, it's time. And then they're going to, you know, get him crowned to be king. And I, I kind of, I, I felt like that was a big missing key of 
Adam's story in that moment. Like it, it, he would have talked to Cringer about this. He would. He was talking to Duncan, and then the other side of the coin would have been Cringer because. And as Duncan deals with the the royal side, then Cringer and him are allies, you know, Battle Cat and He-Man and everything. It made sense to me in that way. And at least they did it there in this episode. But uh, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon about the voice. I I wasn't a big fan of him even in Revelation. I There wasn't enough of him in Revelation to really make... It, you know, it was, there wasn't a lot of lines for him even in that in that show, but... Uh, like one of the people that just popped in my head is oh well it would have been kind of cool if they could have got him as Alan Tudyk. Yeah, he could have done both sides of it, and he is a really, really he's one of those go-to guys a lot in the last ten years, and he could have played both of them, and he probably could have even done the stuttering cringer, the the cowardly cringer, the way that we knew him as kids. Okay. And then beefed it up for Battle Cat, and instead, yeah. it, it is it is such a jarring moment to hear Cringer or Battle Cat talk in this show. Um, well, that's the weird thing too, because it's like when they announced Stephen Root for it, I'm like, of course, like he's done the the stuttery, the weird like voices, but he doesn't use that here. He just mm-hmm. uses like his regular he's, voice. He's, like, he's he's got a gentle version of his regular voice, yeah. and that feels so jarring. Because, like, they, they're downplaying Cringer being Cringer even in this series. Yep. And even the last one. They're downplaying, like, like Cringer, it, the minute something would have happened, he should not even be in the room. He's already running for his life. And instead, he's standing there with everybody else a mm-hmm. lot of the time. And, I mean, granted, in Revelation, they had that whole, there's been time where he's been with the sorceress and all that stuff. Yep. So there is that vibe of maybe he's he's gotten better at having more courage and stuff, but uh, but yeah, that voice I, is definitely. I actually, the uh, I I chalk that up to bad direction more than anything mm-hmm. because you know it. I don't know what his what Stephen Root's uh you know familiarity with is with masters or any of that, and I don't know you know I would assume none or very little like yeah but you know you know as a director like you gotta talk to him there and say hey this you know the other voice needs to sound a little different you need mm-hmm. to change it up a bit mm-hmm. he has done a ton of voice acting like this is not yeah. his first gig as, as a voice actor um and it's not like he just talks in his no normal tone for every single voice so you know it would have been very easy for him to change it up i don't blame him i do blame the direction more than i can agree with that um but yeah i <clears throat> Other than that, the I was just watching the ending of this episode before we recorded, and I I get a kick out of the moment when uh, when um, Grant Amir grants the the cop power mm-hmm. to Tila because the minute she does that transformation, it just ends with her doing that at the camera. I'm like, that's just awesome. I'm sorry, it just is because for you know 40 years we've had this character that has never been represented in a cartoon. And finally, here she is as the green goddess, I guess, you, if you want to go that route with the naming convention. And uh, on the first day of watching this, I actually reached out to Nate Barch and I congratulated him for finally getting something he's wanted for so long in animated form. And and he even was just like, this is just too cool. Like, So it, it, it made my day for him to know this is 
one of those characters that he has been like, oh my god, if they could do something with her, and so um, and and the design of her is is just phenomenal too i I was uh listening to that interview with him the other day and he was talking about when he found out he said that he was he was uh at like target or something he's walking down the toy aisle and stuff and he gets these texts from from ted (laughs) biaselli and it's just like those pictures of the green goddess and like he's like basically shitting himself in the store and he's got to look around and make sure that like nobody's (laughs) around him that can see his phone and stuff and but yeah, he was like super excited. So, you know, we all have our favorites um, in in this universe, and yeah, for for his to be you know brought to the screen for the first time is is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what we're talking about. Um, I no, I I uh, I agree with the. Cr- I don't mind Cringer's voice. It could be more. I want to say comical but more played up but yeah battle cat's voice was like when he talked i was just like wait what yeah <laughs> it just it just felt so i'm like it's just it's just it's just cringer again um yeah uh but uh, like the dialogue what he was saying i was focused on yeah. that rather than the voice and like I, the conversation was really good and and i agree with uh, I don't remember who said it about, you know, having Cringer talk to Adam again, five episodes. I feel like yeah. usually Netflix has shows that run too long <clears throat> and there's too much filler, especially like some, some other series that run, you know, we got to get 13 episodes. Like why 13, even though I like that number, why 13 episodes yeah. when three of those hours were completely useless. Like mm-hmm. you spent an entire episode of Daredevil giving me this backstory on this FBI agent that dies in the next episode. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't care about him before that Spoiler hour. Alert. With him. I didn't care that he died. Like, yeah. Um, and I know it's animation. There's a lot more work on, on different levels to go into this, but I feel like revelation, both season, both parts of that and, revolution could have could have benefited from at least like one maybe two more episodes just to kind of give some breathing room to stuff but uh i i did like like you guys saying i really liked the the concept of you know tila having to take on these extra powers not because it's going to make her more powerful but that she's already gone through one one shift in power now she's doing this you don't know what's going to do to her you know how much mm-hmm. of her is going to get lost to this and everything and it kind of reminded me when she did that transformation when uh oh gosh i'm blanking on her name in legend when she the with tim curry when the, the yeah. girl like like you remember eats her name. the fruit or whatever she does and she becomes like the the dark version of herself with like the the black dress and all the makeup and everything like it kind of had that kind of like no but at the same time i was like oh cool that figure's finally real <laughs> in, in the show so like um i have more to say about that but i think that's for the next episode but i, mm. I thought that was really cool in the way you know like she hisses and her eyes go to like kind of mm-hmm. that pink slit um because they did a really good job of focusing on granamir's eyes you know to see that it's like a very similar look to to his pupils and everything so absolutely yeah um <clears throat> i i continue to like the whole interaction between granamir and evelyn and and tila here um i, I don't have a ton to say on this because i know we're already kind of running along but 
Um, I, I do like the extra, like the, the quest that they're going on and the fact that she's getting these extra powers, but she never feels like overpowered to me. Like it, it felt like in revelation, like they just kept amping up her powers to where it was like, you know, she was stronger and more important than he man. Like I'd never get that feeling in this series. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, she's doing this because like Jesse said, she's got this goal of returning Paternia. Um, it's not power for the sake of power or power to be the most, the strongest one in this, you know, this story. Um, yeah. So I like the way that they did that. And, and even just the art style, like throughout this series in all the different, you know, costume changes like we had the one at the beginning then we had the wintry one now we're talking about the green goddess one like as they go through these different costume changes she looks very feminine in all of these costume changes mm -hmm. like it's not like at no point do i feel like oh she's over muscled and you know bulky and and manly or anything like that like they they kept a very feminine look which i thought was cool um as far as like the stuff back at the at the palace you know, there's there's only two times throughout this series that I felt like the story was rushed because there's only five episodes. The the whole ascension and crowning of Keldor is one of those two moments where it's like, okay, yeah, he shows up, he tells you this great story, he makes it through the fight, and you know, is basically has the answers for stopping these things and gets the smile from He Man, but then to immediately be crowned king, it's like that seems pretty quick for this guy that just basically showed up, but there's, it's only five episodes. So I just got to kind of throw that to the side and kind of ignore that. So, um, you know, I, I get it, but it, 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 like I said, it's one of those two times where I did feel, okay, this is a little rushed. So to your um, point about, um, about Tila though, I, I gotta, I gotta say, I like, I like your point about it. And the other thing that I liked about the way they did it, is she's learning everything as she's mm. going through this. Mm. So even though she's accumulating the power, I love how it's making it that she doesn't know how to use it. She's just oh, yeah. figuring it out on the fly. And they have like they, they have a little bit of stuff handling that in another in the next episode, which we'll get into. But I do like that that is why she doesn't feel overpowered in this. It just feels like yeah. she's accumulating this with the mm. mission involved is she doesn't want it on her own. Well, if so. you go back to the first episode, just the fact that she had to go to her mom to ask questions and stuff. Yep. And now she's having yep. to go to grand Amir to ask questions. Like, yeah, she, she doesn't have all the answers. She knows mm -hmm. that she doesn't have all the answers. Um, so there's a certain vulnerability to that, which I yeah. think is, is good. So they needed that with her in the first in revelation more. Mm. And I like that they're showing that in this, especially now that she's ascended, it's like, now that's a whole nother ball of wax for her to deal with. Well, it's, like it's, it's one thing to have great powers. It's another thing to have accumulated it through a journey that you yeah. pick those up, you know, like if, if it's, if it's just given to you and you're just like, you know, OP right out, off the start, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not as good a story, but if you have to actually work for this stuff and, and it's a quest and you accumulate these things as you go, um, I, I think it, it's just a better storyline in general. Yeah, agreed. So, All right. Scene five. Uh, back at the technological Snake Mountain, we witness a gloating Skeletor stating that his plan went perfectly. 
All the pieces are now in place for their takeover of Eternos as Skeletor is revealed to really be motherboard. As she continues her gloating about how she has now placed a king in Eternos, in walks King Keldor himself, who is then revealed to be the devil in disguise, Skeletor. Bum, 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 bum. What's that line? Uh, Curse your inevitable betrayal. How's it go again? Jesse, you'd know it more than I Curse you and your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Sudden but inevitable betrayal. Thank you. Yeah, this is that moment. What's that from? I've never heard that. uh, It's actually from Firefly. Oh, okay. Um, I couldn't even think of where it was from. I just knew what quote you were talking about. And ironically, I brought him up early. Alan Tudyk was the one to say that. Um, so yeah, this, this was a cool moment for me at least because there was that feeling of how is Keldor and Skeletor in the same place? Yep. Because that really did when, when they have the fight in, in the, in the, um, the village or whatever you want to call it, that part had me going, okay, so we are definitely off the ranch or off the reservation about Keldor and Skeletor being the same person. And when they did that part, I'm like, oh, you guys, you see what you did there. They got um, me. They, they did got get me. me. And yeah. honestly, I, I'll, I'll be I'll be completely honest. I think I missed it the first time. So when I saw it just a little while ago before we recorded, like, <laughs> that's the moment because I know I, I missed it. And the whole rest of the time, I'm like, how did Skeletor and Keldor end up? I, I was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was very impressed with that turn of events, and uh, again, it, it, like CGI, you, it, you're thinking you know the story, but when you see moments like this, you're like, oh man, how you know, like where are they going to weave this now? Because it's definitely you know we are not in charted territory uh, with this series, especially. So, um. I, I was not as shocked by the surprise. Um, it wasn't like, I can't say I thought that's exactly how it was going to play out, especially not knowing the lore as much as, as you guys, but knowing that Keldor has been Skeletor in the past. And, you know, I was just kind of like, okay, how are they going to, what are they going to do here? Um, but I liked the whole thing where, where like motherboard, when, when Skeletor comes, everything worked according to my plan. I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel like the same Skeletor from last episode, uh, you know, like gloating about uh, this. Right. I'm like, what's going on? And then when it reveals, you know, that it's her and then he comes in, I was like, okay, all right. I like this. So, but then, sorry, I'm fidgeting. Um, Some of the things that I, up to this point, I'm like, so Skeletor's playing good encouraging uncle yes like he's doing that really well and it's not just clearly manipulation it's not just yes follow my words and fall into my plan like it it, you know he's like giving him relatively sound advice you know like i'm like interesting like this that had me more intrigued i'm like okay so skelter is there doing this especially in 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 other things we'll see later but like yeah i just thought that was and it kind of puts a spin on that opening scene um 
from Keldor's perspective, now that you know it was actually Skeletor sharing that story with Adam. Go ahead, Curse. So for for me, they they got me, but I mean, hook, line, and sinker. I'm I'm you know, like Keldor shows up. And, you know, I'm like, what's going on? And then the whole story and then the battle. And I'm like, these are clearly two separate people. And then, you know, throughout the battle, I'm like, you know, okay. It seems like things are going very convenient. Either this is just, you know, they're rushing the story or, you know, he is some, there's something devious behind it. Had no idea that it was Skeletor. I thought maybe, maybe it's another person working with Skeletor. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's, you know, somebody pretending to be Keldor. I, I didn't know. When when they do the switch here and you find out that you know Keldor is Skeletor, now my brain is even more broken because I'm like, okay, so is Keldor a real person? Yeah, you know what what is it? Did he make the whole thing up? Um, is is it you know like where's this story of Keldor from? Like how did how did like if you were gonna make up a story, why would you make him? You know, Gar, if you can make yourself look like anything, you could have told the story that he was Randor's brother that was, you know, Eternian, what, whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm totally, at this point, my brain is broken. And I'm like, and I think it's one of those things that they do at the end of each of these episodes where you're left with more questions than answers. And you have to watch the next. So when you talked earlier about, you know, like they want you to binge this. Yeah, it's very clear that they want you to binge this because they end every single episode with, you know, hey, we got you again. And if you want to know what else happens, you need to come back for more. And it's like, yeah, so, yeah, I'm I'm at this point, I have no idea what's going on. And I'm just like ready to hit the play button on the next episode. So 100 percent agree with all you guys. Um, I Again, like you, you said, Curtis, and like I said earlier, like they're because of our history, they're playing on that fact where mm-hmm. I can't even trust that. So I'm right there with you. I'm like, I, but I'm still not like Keldor and Skeletor are the same person. I'm going, okay, that definitely was Skeletor being Keldor. But what does that mm. mean? But did Keldor even exist? That's exactly did, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Did, was it really Keldor or did Keldor really exist? But he really did die and did Kordak he exist and die? That, did he never so, exist? We don't know. Right. Don't so know. yeah, they got me yeah. hooked. They got me. I mean, as soon as I won't I won't pretend to be like Jesse and like I knew all along, but like as soon as Motherboard turned, I'm like, oh, it is Skeletor impersonating Keldor. Like I didn't yeah, just... say I knew all along. I just I I knew it wasn't going to be as clear cut as they were making it out to be. Right. Like it. it yeah. I you drew on, you drew on exactly. your worldly experience and because I figured don't it out have as time, ingrained yes. the detail of the history that you guys do. So like uh, it was easier for me to get there without the clutter of of the history. Right. Gray, gray and gray. Yes. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> All right, guys, that's episode two, Ascension. Uh, Power Sword rating. Three Power Swords is the best. Two, one Power Swords. Cosmic Enforcer, right down the middle, neutral. Uh, And then Havoc Staffs. I don't think we'll need them, but one Havoc Staff is bad. Two Havoc Staffs is badder. Three Havoc Staffs is the baddest. Sean. Batterist. Uh, This one I'm going to do... Let me think here. This one I'll do two. Uh, again, 
I know I did two the last time, but yeah, two again. The the Keldor reveal got me, um, and just Keldor ingratiating himself so easily and stuff works. Plus the uh, the uh, Ka sorceress showing up and all that was pretty darn awesome. And and uh, uh, what um, Granamir, too. I'm I'm going two power swords on this one. I I like the the emotional bits. Uh, I like the stuff with with Tila, Granamir, and and uh, Sorceress a lot. Uh, and the the side quest they're setting up there, not side quest, but contingent quest. Um, I, I just think that's really cool. And um, yeah, so two two power swords for me. Um. For me, based on the the side quest, based on the the costume changes, based on the surprise ending, um, it's a three power swords for me, and it's oh. only because you will not let me give more power swords than three. <laughs> I will give you all of the power swords. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up and take my power swords. Um, I gotta go. I think I got to go two and a half power swords. I, I'm not quite ready to hand out a three power sword, but like, I definitely think it was a step up. Like the first episode was very good. This one just amped up everything. And if I had any, I guess I, I still kind of had the fears that like, it's only five episodes, but I'm like, man, if we're already up here at episode two, like, I think they got a pretty good handle on this arc. And this is where I kind of started relaxing and, you know, being able to just enjoy the moment. So uh, definitely about a step above the last episode. Everything's amped up. So two and a half power swords. All right. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We'll be back soon with episode three. Uh, more things in heaven and Eternia. Uh, until next time, go binge this series. Oh, come on.